This is Tall Boy Radio. Each week, your hosts, Beans, Gaz and Andy, grab a beer and discuss our topic of the week. We try to keep things uncomplicated. The premise for this podcast is as simple as we are. Not only can you listen to us wherever good podcasts are found, you can also watch us. Just search Tall Boy Radio on YouTube. If you have a story and want to feature on the show, drop us an email at tbrpodcast at hotmail.com or leave us a comment on social media at Tallboy Radio on Twitter and Facebook and at Tallboy Radio Podcast on Instagram or leave us a message via the Anchor app which we can play on the show. This is a Beans Does Stuff production. Anyway, the show is about to start so go grab yourself a cold one, sit back and enjoy. Welcome back to Tallboy Radio, and if you recognise the voice, it's me, it's Gaz. I'm in the driving seat um, for this episode. It's been a bit of been a while since I've been in the driving seat, so um, without further ado, I'm just going to let um, my two co-hosts introduce themselves and um, let everybody know what they're drinking for tonight. So, um, Ad, do you want to say hello and tell us what you're drinking? Yeah, hello, good to be back. Nice to, to for it just to be the three of us, actually, because that's the other thing. It's not been for a while, just the three of us. It's, yeah. it's a song in there somewhere, I think. And tonight I am drinking uh, a Brewdog beer, which is a collaboration they've done with Cloudwater. And it's a New England IPA, and I tell you what, it is an absolute humdinger of an ale. 6.8%, nice and cloudy, soothed on this throat, which you can probably hear. I'm suffering from laryngitis a little bit. Um, but yeah, I tell you what, this is an absolute balter. Superb, can't fault you. Um, Andy, um, what you what? Say hello. And what are you drinking? Hello, I am on the Golden Drac quadruple. Oh. This is nice, ten and a half percent. I also had a sore throat over the weekend and stuff, so this is just a little soother for that. <laughs> Beautiful, um, and. Um, I am drinking a good old um, TBR favourite of um, Leffe, and again, um, similar to Adam, actually, this week, as always, out of uh, official um, TBR podcast merch. So, um, I know we've got a couple of shout-outs um, just before we get into the main sort of content of the show, so um, I'm just going to um, pass over to Ad um, first, and then I'll do my shout-outs in a bit. So, um, Ad, um, do you want to give your shout-outs? Yeah, um, the first one is a charitable shout-out that I said I was going to do. I actually said I was going to do it last week, and then I forgot, so I apologise for that one, Gareth. Yeah, it's a dude called Elite Gareth F on Twitter, Gareth Ford. I think you follow him as well, don't you, Gaz? We, yeah, you know, do, yeah. He's um he's raising some money for his well not actually for his kids but for for other children who have the same condition as his children. So he's got a GoFundMe page at the moment where you can just donate to, and he's going to be doing a 24-hour live darts event at some point in the very, very near future. So I know he's going to be delighted to hear some of the lockdown lifting that's going to be done, make his life a little bit easier. Um, so if you can help him out with any of those things at all, uh, please do so. Get in touch with him at Elite Gareth F on Twitter. His, his GoFundMe uh, page is pinned in his, in his first tweet there at the top. So if you can donate or if you can just 
just send him something that he can use as a giveaway to get a little bit of attention. We've sent him some stuff down from the Tallboy Radio. Um, so, yeah, his children, his daughter has Wiedemann Steiner syndrome, and his little lad, who is, I think, he's about two years old, he's nearly, he's about the same age as Jacob, my little lad, and he has uh, plagiocephalia. I apologize if that is not pronounced correctly, but it's flathead syndrome. Now, he's had the treatment for it where the child has to wear a helmet, which is not funded by the NHS, so it's something that you have to pay for. And I think the treatment is around about two thousand pounds. Now, to be fair, he was in the position that he could he could do that for his son, um, but two thousand pounds is a lot of money um, to be finding. So what he's doing is trying to raise some money so that he can contribute towards people who have to pay for that. You know, the helmet that helps their skull develop properly so that they can have a, a normal life. Which touch what it looks like his lad will. Um, yeah, um, echo that. Um, yeah, I, I do follow um, Gareth on Twitter. So um, any sort of followers of mine out there willing to um, donate, yeah, just um, get along to his um, his Twitter feed and have a look at his pinned tweet and um, donate. Um, Andy, have you got any shout outs? Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to particularly? Or um, well, you got the usual suspects, people that retweet us and stuff. But then um, it's just been good having some guests on the show. Uh, yeah, and all the future ones that are coming up, uh, look forward to it. And next person, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, just um, I've got I've got a couple of shout outs I'm going to do just before getting into it. Um, obviously, um, Scottish Alchemists that that you know that that loved that sort of last week. Thank you very much again to them um, who um, were sort of kind enough to come onto our podcast. Hopefully, we can um, ju- jump onto your podcast at some point. Um, uh, again, um, just the usual guys. Um, that, that sort of retweet us um and if you're getting um if you are looking for sort of podcast recommendations um you might get a little bit sick of myself and add sort of um popping up on the old um let, let's add a comment with with the link to, to tbr turbo radio um and if you do i'll make no apologies for that actually just keep growing the word guys um the final shout out i've got really before we get into it is um to Daz, um, Darren is one of our um, sort of regular listeners, and he actually came up with the idea for this podcast. Um, so thanks, Daz. I did ask him whether he wanted to come on and um, say a few words, but he he he, he sort of said he didn't fancy it. Um, he said thank you very much for the opportunity, but no. Um, so yeah, this podcast um, was sort of born out of a conversation me and him had, um, and and it's to do with um, technology and. In particular, sort of technology and sport, and that that's going to be the, the sort of premise of the podcast. Is now it's been introduced. Where where do we see it going? How how do we see sport being changed? It, has technology been introduced for the for the benefit of the sport, or is it detrimental to the sport? Um, I'm going to talk sort of a little bit about the sports that I'm personally interested in, and I play. Um, again, I'm going to talk to Adam and Andy about um, sort of their ideas. So. Um, for me, technology is here. It has been used to influence sport. Um, are we ever going to get to a point where technology is now not used? No, I don't think so. Um, so it's really sort of exploring where where do we go? And we might go down the route of the, the moral aspect of it. And if technology is available to one person more than somebody else, does that make it fair? And all of that sort of stuff. But I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to sort of throw it out there, the first question, as I always do when I host. Um, and the first question, I suppose, is to both of them, although I'll let Adam go first. Um, give me an example then where you feel as though technology 
has been beneficial or is advantageous in a particular sport? What 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 are your thoughts initially? Yeah, when when you said this, I've got to be honest. There's, there's a couple of sports which you know I follow, which technology is heavily involved with, like especially like the American sports. But the ones that really jumped out at me, where it's hugely involved, is is something I watch literally for two weeks every year, and that's Wimbledon. You know, I, I I'm not a big tennis fan, but we're British, so we are, I believe, legally obliged to watch Wimbledon for two <laughs> weeks out of the summer every year, and. There's, I think, it's, is it called Hawkeye? Hawkeye, yeah. Yeah, Hawkeye yeah. and that. Now, that for me is something that doesn't seem to impact the game. It doesn't slow it down. Um, when they do need to go for a judgment call, the crowd get behind it, sort of start cheering while they're watching, you know, the, the recreation yeah. of what looks like has been done on a ZX Spectrum. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and they do that and everybody gets involved and gets behind it. And there's, you don't hear really of many the only time you ever hear about an error about it is when the actual machine itself is not functioning and it goes back to the line judges and and the umpire and the different judgment calls so that was the first one i thought of. and the other one is not something that interests me in the slightest in fact it's a sport i completely abhor but i know you're a big fan of it gaz and that's horse racing it's, it's something i you know I, I don't suppose you really think about it but that one is huge in terms of determining winners in so many, many races where the bookies have got, you know, a few odds on it as well. You know, they, they stand yeah. to, to make and win on, on, and it's largely based on what that technology tells them because sometimes you see it, it's inseparable. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, um, and yes, you know, I, obviously, I, you know, I like a flutter every now and then and, and, and the horses and obviously the technology in terms of, your photo finishes and that sort of stuff. And back in the day, you know, before you had the photo finish, what, what, how did you call it and, and stuff? So, and obviously, you know, fortunes were, were made and lost effectively on, on those calls sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that, you know, that, that, that's what, I mean, the Hawkeye, it's interesting you mentioned that because, um, do you know when Hawkeye at ECU, you might have done your research now, do you know when Hawkeye was first introduced? Don't, unless you're talking about the Marvel superheroes. <laughs> Why do you know that instead? No, I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so Phil and both caps. Um, basically, Hawkeye was first introduced in March 2006, and it was in the um, the NASDAQ 100 um, tournament, which was held in Miami. Um, so it's 2006, and then later that year, um, the US Open was the first um, effectively major um, to have Hawkeye technology. For those of you that don't know about Hawkeye technology, it's basically a ball tracking software and they use it to, defi- to determine whether the ball is in or out and they zoom in. And if there's a fragment of the ball that touches a line, it's in. If there's a fra- if no fragment of the ball touches a line, it's out. And I think they use similar technology in um, goal line technology and football and stuff. So, um, so yeah, okay. So th- there were your first two then. So quick question then. Do you feel as though Hawkeye has been advantageous to tennis then i mean i would say so like again i apologize if anybody's listening out there and you disagree but i'm not i'm not a huge tennis fan but whenever i've seen it especially when you look at the game now compared to what it was like with the old wooden rackets you know the older technology with the balls and everything that they used the speed especially that that men's game is played and when that's served well it's served sometimes upwards of 130 miles an hour yeah absolutely yeah it's ridiculous, you know. I, you know, the human eye when it when it's something as fine as whether it's just touching a line or not, yeah. it's so difficult to determine. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, you've, you've got that, that audible beep that tells the umpire uh, and gives him that information, and then it's disputed. And that, for, for me, I just think it adds to the game. It adds to yeah. the character and the charisma behind, you know, the, the likes of, you know, you, you imagine the likes of John McEnroe. It would oh, have affected yeah. his game, you know. Much yeah, more. absolutely, yeah. I didn't realize it was as late as 2006. Actually. Yeah, I, I thought it would have been earlier. That's quite I interesting. Think they, I think they had the so you know the, the the service line where you would get the beep. So yeah. effectively, you would get the beep, um, and so I, I think that predated 2006. But in terms of actually Hawkeye, in terms of the ball tracking, and they use it for line calls and baseline calls as opposed to just the service box because you used to have like a. Um, it's effectively it was a, a box that had a, a, a telescopic lens and it was like a sensor, and obviously if the ball then hit that, it would beep, and if it didn't, it wouldn't type thing. Um, so I, I certainly know with John McEnroe, a lot of his games were beeped, but I think that was another matter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that might have been his his um, his ear all week. Um, yeah. So yeah, but but I think in terms of Hawkeye, the actual ball tracking technology where you could. You know, you you could query or question a call. I think so. Obviously, two thousand six was the first time. Just, right, so I'm going to come to you then, Andy. You've listened to um, to Ad, who mentioned um, sort of tennis and effective horse racing. So, what what was the sport that that you thought that sort of technology had had an advantageous impact on? Um, so one of them uh, I keep thinking of is snooker. Um, you know, like when they're going to do like a, a tough shot. Obviously, they show the lines and they show where all the balls can go. Yeah. If someone's fouled, they can say, "Oh, the ball was there," and they've, they've done it on screens for years, haven't they? But they've they've made it a more snazzy now, aren't they? <laughs> where yeah. they like by the millimeter where a ball will go. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's pretty good. There's no yeah. like if foots maybe. It's just like this is where the balls were. This is yeah. That's it. Like, there's no arguments and stuff. Um, yeah, and I remember going back on, you know, Snooker, you go back a few years and it'd be like, you know, well, actually somebody say, oh, well, no, the ball was there and you saw the refs rolling it, but no, it's there. Well, actually, now all effectively, you just use the technology, you go back to where it was and you say, well, actually, no. And they effectively, they, they superimpose and they go, well, actually, no, it's not there, it's there. And and it's yeah. almost done. And and interestingly, and, 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 and I'm going to get on to this question in a moment. The sports that we've just looked at there, effectively, you've got tennis. Um, horse racing to a lesser degree, actually, but tennis and snooker, they're very stop-start sports anyway. There are natural gaps in that game, effectively. Um, so tennis, obviously, at the end of the point, you know, they're, they're going to towel off or they're, they, you know, they bounce the ball and get ready to serve again. So the, the, the delay and the use of technology doesn't seem as it affects that sport as much, whereas and we're going to get onto this obviously in a moment, whereas perhaps the technologies where the games are more free flowing uh, and constant, I suppose you come into the question of, I'm going to throw the elephant in the room. So VAR in football, for example, is when do you stop the play? When do you carry on? When do you, football is a very, it's a very constant game effectively. So we're going to get onto that. Um, the, the one for me, which we taught was, I grew up playing cricket loads uh, and cricket was a massive um, sport of mine through the summer. Um, and obviously, initially, you had the, the, the third umpire. To, and they, they would, is it a run out? Is it not a run out, effectively? And you would have cameras on the line. And when the bales were, were, were hit, you know, is the batsman in, is he out? And obviously, you never had that. You never had that. And it's always down to the umpire. Um, so your use of technology there is is has been dramatic because actually it's a line call. It's is he in, is he out? There's no you know, the contentious issue. It's line calls. A bit like Hawkeye. Is the ball in? Is the ball out? As a matter of fact. 
I think the problem comes when, it, and in particular, this is where perhaps the, the video referee stuff comes in. For when you start taking into account people's personal views on it, that I think that's where the, the lines become. It's not black and white. It's more of a um, an opinion based thing, and that's where I think technology doesn't work. I think it has to be very factually based. Um, so, but going back um, in terms of sort of technology where I think it has been advantageous, cricket for me was, was one. Um, third umpire first used in 1992, I think, um, test match South Africa versus India. Um, and that was the first time that that, that was used. And then subsequently there's, there's been an advancement called DRS, and that was in 2008. And that was where you can get reviews and the players can call for a review because they don't think it's out or they do think it's out sort of thing. So so that for me w- w- was a massive impact in technology. Right, I'm going to throw the second question out to you then, guys. When do you feel as though technology has been implemented which is detrimental to the sport or is, or is you know, ha- has had a, perhaps a negative impact on the sport or can you even think of any? Um, I'll throw it over. Add, Andy, add, do you want to go first if you can think of one or...? There's one that that, that that really jumps out at me, and that that you've already mentioned it already is VAR. Yeah, brought in to help with contentious decisions in terms of offside, whether the goal should stand, um, whether fouls were deliberate or not, um, and, and really brought in to assist the referee in what is a very difficult game. It, it should work something as some. I'm not a big rugby fan, so I apologise if you're going to tell me that this doesn't work. But that, that, is it TMO that they have in, yeah. in, in, in yeah. rugby? Yeah. Rugby is a very different game where the players seem to treat the referee with far more respect than probably you know than we see on a regular yeah. Premiership game. Don't get me wrong, there are players out there that aren't too bad, but generally speaking, that guy is held in contempt by by the people people who are playing the game. You don't see that in rugby, so maybe. The, the the decisions are as equally contentious in rugby, but they just deal with it more respectfully. I don't know. Yeah. But the, the examples I've seen, and I think you probably hit the nail a little bit on the head in terms of when you factor in human opinion. Yeah. There's some that we've seen, especially like the likes of, was it Mo Salah's penalty, which yeah. was clearly a dive. Yeah. And it's reviewed and yet still given. And it's like, yeah. if this is brought in to improve the game, this is not improving the game because don't get me wrong, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I, I know our players dive as, as much as as the net. Well, not as much as bloody Liverpool, but as much as, as just about every other play, you know, team that play play the game. And it, it's frustrating. It's the worst part of the game, isn't it? You know, it's, it is cheating. I'd like to see it stopped. And I thought yeah. VAR, if done properly, properly, properly. properly. Properly, properly would bring an end to it, and, it, yeah. and it's not, and, and it's the most yeah. frustrating thing. What it does is actually, it it backs up the decisions that have been made. Yeah. In the lights of like I, 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 I think it creates more issues. Yeah, it creates yeah, it more does. problems than, than it solves. Andy, I, I know you, you when we were sort of um, tweeting on our sort of WhatsApp group and stuff. You, you mentioned VAR. So go on. What what are your thoughts on VAR? I mean, uh, it, would that be something that you feel as though technology has had a negative impact? Is that one that you would pick? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the way I see it, though, is uh, you, you, know, you both said the human error side of it. Um, there's no like, like for offside, for example, they say, is it your top of your sleeve, your bottom of your sleeve? And, you know, uh, th- that's a bit silly. But I always feel like um, 
all the all the governing bodies like UEFA, FIFA, whoever, FA, they all want to like say, oh, the referee's in charge. It's like, well, that's fine, but these are supposed to be tools that aid him. Yeah. But they seem to be like he'll give a he'll give someone say someone's been offside or and then they scored a goal. He might say, well, yeah, that's a goal. We'll cry on and. Yeah, that's when the VAR people say, "Oh, it looks a bit off, off that." Let me have a quick look, and then say, "Yeah, he's offside." He doesn't need to run over to the screen and have a look himself. It should yeah. be like it's clearly offside or whatever. Yeah. Done. But it just feels like they're trying to, you know, promote the fact that the referee's in charge. It's like the tools to help, not tools to, you know, be like old school and say, "Oh no, let the referee decide on it and stuff." It's uh, it should be cut and clear quite a lot of decisions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you, you could. You could do a whole different a whole podcast itself on sort of VAR and football and stuff and the, the the contentious issues that we that we've got. And for me, part of football, growing up and playing it, you know, as a uh, you know as a kid and stuff, and then playing it, not a brilliant standard, but playing you know pub football on a Saturday and a Sunday and stuff. Part of it was okay, yeah, the ref is in the middle and he's the one that makes the decisions. And I take your point, Ad, yeah, footballers don't treat the refs with the respect they deserve and rugby is an absolute shining example of you've got these six foot eight, six foot nine, absolute hulking blokes that, you know, um, are quite physically intimidating and then you've got a, a five foot nine, five foot ten referee in the middle and he, and, and effectively they're calling him sir and the, the referee is laying the law down to them and there's no back chat, there's no lip. They accept the decisions, you know. So I think football can learn a lot from that. Um, discipline, it's discipline, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but part of football and and professional football and was talking about it on a Saturday night, and, yeah. and it's almost like we're talking about VAR instead of talking about the game itself. It's like, oh, well, VAR got that wrong. VAR got that wrong. And and I take your point, Andy. It it should be. It was brought in to rectify a, quote, clear and obvious error. That was what VAR was brought in for. Not to then... People watch the VAR replay, then go to the referee in the earphone, and then say, we can't make up our mind. You need to go and have a look at it on the monitor. Well, what's the point of having the VAR guys there? Why not just give them the monitor and go well, go and have a look? Yeah, yeah. Well, why, why is VAR there? And then initially it was taking three, four, five minutes to make a decision, and that's okay in American football which we'll get onto in a minute in terms of the technology, that's okay because that's a stop-start game anyway. That's okay in cricket because actually it's a stop-start game. You get the end of the over, you know, it, whereas football, you know, four, five, six minutes to make a decision, it's like, really? You know, th th that can affect the whole impetus of the game, the whole momentum of the game and all sorts of stuff like that. So so for me, I absolutely agree actually with, with both of you and, and the one that I felt as though has been introduced I think initially for the right reasons, although it's been implemented wrongly, is VAR. And actually, I don't think it's helping at all. I think it's creating more problems and more issues than it's actually solving. Yeah. I, I, I take a little bit of, in terms of the line decision. So, yes, Hawkeye's in goal line technology we brought in. Is the ball over the line? Is it not? Mm. I, that's, a, that's a black or white. That's a yes or no. I completely agree that goal line technology should be in there. I think the offside, if they get the laws of the game right, I think VAR could, VAR could be used in the right way. It's just they need to decide, is it a shoulder, is it an elbow, is it a toe, is it a whatever. And so I think they can get that right because ultimately it's a factual decision. Is he offside, is he not offside? So it should be black and white. 
The problem comes to me is when you interpret, is it a foul, is it not a foul? Is it, you know, is it a yellow card, is it a red card? Because actually the guy in the middle makes one decision and he views it in one way. You've got the people at Stockley Park who are the VAR guys looking at it in another way and yet they're interpreting it in a different way than the guy on the field. So that's a matter of opinion is to, is it a yellow, is it a red, is it, is it a foul, is it not a foul? So that... I don't know where we're going with it. The problem that I've got is the game I love, which is football. It's pretty much here to stay, I think. I mean, can you see a point in the future where they say, well, actually, we're not going to have VAR at all? I can't because, you know, it takes a brave individual to, to, to back down and say, look, this just is not working. Like you say, there's bits of it that can be refined. Certainly the goal line technology to see if a, a goal is a goal, whether the ball's over. Because there's been some shockers over, over the yeah. years. You, you can think of them where the ball's clearly over the line. Well, the, given. there's a famous one for World Cup. And obviously Lampard, was it Germany, whatever, was it Germany? And then Lamp- yeah. we were we, we lose, was it 2-1 down or something? Lampard hit the shot from outside the box, hit the underside of the bar and was clearly over, and I mean clearly, like a yard over the line. And obviously it wasn't given then, was it Germany went on to win that game or whatever in the World Cup and knock us out or whatever. So, oh, I, th- I thought you were going to mention another game involving England and Germany in 1966 where there was questions about whether a ball was well, over no, or not. No, I'm not bothered about that because we to win the World Cup, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, absolutely. And, and when, you, when you look at it in that instance, you know, that, that, that potentially was, was a decision and, and, and that obviously would have impacted a, a World Cup final, for God's sake. I mean, interestingly... When we talk about VAR and they're talking about the the sort of video referral system, one of the things, and it's Sepp Latter that that I had quite a lot of. He was very anti uh, uh, technology, and obviously he, he then got booted out. And I think it was Gianni Infantani that came in, and it was actually through the Thierry Henry handball. And I don't know whether you remember it when he was playing against Ireland, France and he, no, and he, not, and he played against it. Ireland. Didn't see it. And you didn't see it, no. No, no. I'm pretty, pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it didn't out. happen. I think you're making this one up. And basically, that that was one of the major contentious decisions that was basically the argument for bringing in video technology into because obviously you know Thierry Henry handballed and it was a clear handball. Although yeah, actually at the time it really wasn't really picked up, and obviously the match officials didn't pick it up and. It was only after about three or four replays you thought, oh, bloody hell, that, that's a bit, you know, that was handball. And that obviously cost Ireland a place in the World Cup. So, the, the other the other famous handball, obviously, again, involving England and uh, yeah. Argentina was Maradona's. You know, Maradona yeah. is, is lauded everywhere in the world as, as, as a fantastic footballer. Over here, he's branded a cheat and is, you know, probably not recognised fully for his ability because yeah. of that. Yeah, and, I, and, and right, obviously, um, <laughs> you know, he obviously, you know, recently passed and stuff. And I, and I do appreciate him as a footballer. I hated him for what he did to England in that World Cup. And I remember it. I do remember it. But yeah. to be fair, his, his second Shilton's, goal was, was pretty decent. Really, he was, yeah. yeah. Shilton's still quite bitter about he, it, isn't he? He, he? he picked up the ball on the halfway line and then went past three or four England players and he put I think Terry Butcher on his arse when he went past him and put Shilton on his arse and blah blah blah. So yeah, that that was a decent goal. Um I will give him that. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that contentious handball you know, the hand of God and all that was you know, that'd have been picked up, wouldn't it? So and and and, the, the, and they're the reasons why VAR was brought in. To rectify clear and obvious errors, effectively. So so I think I think we're all agreeing on um that actually VAR, in our opinion, is 
not the best use of technology. Um, we all and, agree, though. There's we all agree there's a need for it. There's yes. definitely a need for it, but it's yeah. it's just been okay. applied badly. So, yes. So, so therefore, so is the technology is the use of technology advantageous? It's just how you implement that and how it molds to the game. I suppose. Like, I, like I said, I'm trying to think of another game that is free flowing. That you see, even rugby is a little bit more stop start than football because you get your scrums, you get your line outs, and you get so it's a little bit more stop start. So, actually, the stopping of rugby isn't as significant as the stopping of football. And I'm trying to think of a game that is completely free flowing where you stop it all the time. I mean, obviously, we're, we're all big American football fans, and that is a stop start game, but it almost lends itself to the use of technology, you've got your big screen TVs and you've got your crowd in there and you've got your replays and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so I, I, I do worry where football is going and the use of VAR. Um, but getting back to then sort of technology, uh, and, and I'm going to mention another game that I play a lot and it's more to do with sort of the equipment that you use. And I'm going to mention golf because technology has had a massive impact on golf. And I know you two guys don't really play it, but if you sort of... Uh, you've never seen well, me play you, crazy golf. There is that. Um, that, that. If you play crazy golf like you swing a normal golf club, then God help us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's like a dying octopus, the way you swing a golf club. It's horrendous. Um, so... <laughs> uh, um, sorry, Adam, if you can watch on YouTube, I'm just having a choking fit here now. Um, so for me, it's a years ago, part of uh, one of my favourite golfers growing up was Seve Ballesteros, and he was brilliant, you know, Spanish hands. He was a magician with the shots he could play and the shot making he could make. And and it's one of the reasons that Daz came up with the, the, the sort of concept of the, the, the podcast, because he, he plays golf. And nowadays, the, the technology they use with the golf clubs in terms of the drivers and the, 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 the variable face technology and the, the, the technology around the golf balls, they're going so much further. And these guys are hitting the golf ball so much further and that, that they don't even have to be that good because the technology on the golf club now is such that actually you don't really need to hit it out of the middle and it'll still go pretty much where you want it to go. Um, so it's sort of de-skilling the sport a little bit. And a lot of the golfers, and I suppose Tiger Woods was one of the first guys, he got in the gym and he bulked up and he was one of the first guys that sort of changed the sport as such. Um, and these guys are hitting it as far as they can and they don't really care where it goes because... All the hazards, and, and, and again, excuse my, all the bunkers, all the hazards that were in play, they're now irrelevant because those bunkers were put at 240 yards, 250 yards. Well, these guys are in it 350 yards. So for them, it doesn't matter where they hit it with the bunker. They just bloody hit the ball as far as they can. So technology has had a massive impact on that. And there is talk now with USGA and, and the RNA, which the golf people, about actually dialing back the technology. So they're talking about restricting the technology on golf balls and golf club technology to try and actually take it back to what it used to be like 10, 15, 20 years ago, just because players are getting much fitter, stronger, hitting the ball a lot further. So therefore the game's becoming easier with technology sort of thing. So, so maybe that's a case where technology is brought in and I get it, but it hasn't been advantageous the game, you could argue people like Jack Nicholas, people like Sevy. Were they any? Would uh, you? Sorry, Andy, what did you say? Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. 
In fact, absolute <laughs> left-hand turn. Did you see the post that um, Adam Stanley did on Twitter? I don't know if you've seen it. Or yeah. he, he tweeted something and he basically recreated it. It's a happy Gilmore. So it's brilliant. Um, yeah, that was my left turn for for this part. But yeah, so people like that are just... You, were they any less skillful? No. Would they hack it these days? Probably not. Can the golfers from today use the clubs that Jack Nicklaus used, Seve used, Lee Trevino used, Arnold Palmer used? No, probably not. And and that so therefore the technology is having an impact on how you play the game and it's making it probably a bit easier. So I think there's elements of yes, we need to be aware of technology, but we have to be careful that it doesn't take it so far that it de-skills the game, if you know what I mean. You know, if you get to a point in snooker, for example, where you know you always get like a laser eye, you can go, well, actually, okay, well, that's going to go there and that's going to go there, and you, and do you know what I mean? And almost, where does it stop? Where where does technology stop? And, and and I suppose that that's one of my questions is, you know, we pick the sports that we just spoke about. In ten years' time, and I haven't asked you this question before, so there was no homework involved in this. But in ten years' time, where do you see football? in terms of the use of technology and, and what is currently VAR, but where do you see it going? Will there even be a referee on the pitch? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I mean, I can't see I can't see a game where, where there isn't a referee there, but ultimately, if technology works successfully, then why would you need one? Um, yeah. I guess other than to interfere with scuffles and, and what have you. Um, yeah. Physical presence. That's it, yeah, that's it. But, you know, maybe, maybe if it was done entirely by technology, you'd like to think in 10 years' time it would be entirely working within the game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but, I mean, you're talking about golf there and how it's revolutionised that, but it's the same with football in terms of, you know, sport psychology and sport science that goes on behind and getting athletes. To, if you look at the level of fitness now to these guys that are playing, that's done a lot of it is around about technology and body mass indexing and stuff like that. Yeah. Something that, that, that probably Tony Adams and, and Paul Merson were, were, would have been unfamiliar with back in the, the day. The only masses they were worried about was the mass of the beer and the ABV that they could chuck down the necks at whatever exactly. time it was. But <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It reminded me of um, The Last Dance with Michael Jordan. He um, he wore a pair of boots um, in it, when he was playing for like the Washington Wizards, I think it was. He wore like his, his original Jordans from like the seventies or whatever it was. Yeah. And he turned around saying his feet were bleeding and they're aching because they're all like heavier and uh, they'll pop up leather and stuff like that. So instead of being always like you know plastic and rubber and all that, it's always like you know dead heavy leather and or harder plastic and stuff like that. It's quite interesting to see how you know he was saying it's changed quite a lot. And football boots are the same where they were leather and now they're all like I don't even know what they are like polymer as well. Polymer or acrylic, or whatever, yeah. yeah. The, the Converse Chuck T's, you know what I mean? They were originally designed for playing baseball. It's like, wow. Yeah. Those things, you know, I, I love them, but gee whiz, they, they ain't comfortable. <laughs> and, and, it, and you know, you, you look at, so you look at, I say basketball, and obviously Andy's just mentioned to the, the last dance and stuff. And obviously I'm a massive Chicago Bulls fan, so I love the last dance and Phil Jackson and Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan and all of those guys. They're brilliant. But the technology in terms of even... The, the the gym and the floor, you know, the actual the the, the materials they're using, actually laying the foundations of the floor and the, the the materials they're using, the shoes and even to the extent of the clothing and the vests that they wear in terms of they're now breathable, they have various technology in them and, and so on and so forth. And you look at 
you know, athletes and you look at 100 meter runners and 200 meter runners and are we running any faster than, you know, is, and I know he's got the world record, but let's say somebody like, uh, I don't know, um, Usain Bolt, did he run any faster than Jesse Owens? Well, yeah, because he holds the world record and Jesse Owens doesn't. But if Jesse Owens was running on the type of track that Usain Bolt does and had the available technology in terms of the shoes that Usain Bolt has and the technology in terms of the, the, the dietitians and everything else, well, Jesse Owens not have run as fast as Usain Bolt, you know, and, and it's that sort of, and it's hard to compare eras, but has the impact of technology meant that we get a slightly diluted version of the sports that we really enjoy because actually it's having a, a huge impact on the individuals? Are the individuals that play sport now as skilled as the individuals that played the sport 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago? Or is it just the fact that they can now play it because of the technology that's involved in the game? I don't know. What are your thoughts? Basketball is a good example of that where, say, like in Jordan's era, you could not punch people, but you, you're running into everyone. You're, you're getting the ball and you're like body checking and stuff like that. Whereas now you, you're not really allowed to touch anyone. You can charge into them and stuff like that. But so now you're seeing players scoring, you know, 50, 60 points a game, like quite regularly. And that was yeah. all, back in the day, that was just like just Jordan doing that. Yeah. And now it's like a good four or five people doing it. Yeah. Just getting the ball, bang, shooting it. Is that because of is that because of the, the, the change in how the laws of the game are interpreted, or is that because the players have got fitter, bigger, faster, stronger? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably a mixture. I mean yeah. like Jordan smoked cigars like a chimney, didn't he? Like after yeah. after shut off the or even before a game is there like the yeah. chopping away. You see, yeah. you, you know, you, you, it's, it is hard to compare eras, but you look at somebody, and I obviously ne- never saw him play, but somebody that was thought to be one of the world's best, if you excuse the pun, was George Best. And look at some of the football pitches that he played on. Look at some of the tackles that were allowed against him. You know, the, the guys were jumping at his knees and calves and ankles and stuff. And nowadays you look at, I don't know, who uh, people are saying, you know, somebody like... Um, I don't know, Harry Kane or Jack Grealish or someone like that. You know, Grealish is playing well at the moment. People that dribble the ball and can take it past players and stuff. Well, George Best could do that. Are you not telling me that players currently are as good as him? Because look at what he had to play on. And when you look at technology, you look at the impact he's had on the equipment, I, the pitches, you know, the football pitches that they play on, the type of football that they use, the type of boots they're wearing and all of that sort of thing. So, has it made the game better? Has it made the game, you know, I don't I mean, know. For, for me, for me, it, ha- it has in terms of making it more entertaining, certainly in terms of football. Don't get me wrong. I've seen, you know, you watch the likes of George Best, like say, when he's getting chopped down by Chopper Harris and still staying on his feet and going mm. on to score. Incredible. And there is, you know, you can pick out a lot of gifted players from that era. Um, and then you can, there was a lot of dirge as well, to be fair. Yeah. Um, you know, the likes of Johnny Anson at Arsenal, God bless him, when you, when you go through the ages. But when they, oh, the, the dude, two, he scored goals in the European Cup finals, didn't he? Yeah, 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 he scored a goal for Arsenal. <laughs> but when you think about that, those Man United teams underneath Alec Ferguson, and you think about Wenger's early Arsenal teams, those for me were the that's when that's that was football to watch and behold, and it was a be- That's why it's called a beautiful game. 
um, because it, it was beautiful to watch. Those players were fantastic and it was entertaining. I'm not saying the games weren't entertaining back in the 70s and 80s because there's some great games. Yeah. But I, I think that, for me, was a golden era of football. You see, I, I think it goes back to, what, in a way, what Andy said in terms of, is it the, it, is it the interpretation of the rules and, and the slight changing of the rules? I think the Man United under Alex Ferguson, the Arsenal team under Arsene Wenger, were it was a beautiful game because there was a, actually there was a balance between skill and not combat but but physical contact. I think nowadays it's gone too far the other way and actually not allowed mm. to even lean yeah. on anybody. And it's a free kick. It, effectively, I think in ten years' time, I would hate it. But football will become a non-contact sport. It'll be literally be like you can jockey a player in whatever you can't tackle him because it's contact and therefore you know. You only have to watch that Liverpool side now, and it's a non-contact sport. They go down anyway. Well, it's for, well, yeah. I, I won't say anything really controversial. But no, no, one I will. It, there say was it. a game. There was a game on tonight. And Graham Souness called out one of the um, one of the players saying he he, he dived. One of the Southampton players thinking he, he he called him out saying he dived and it was simulation and therefore was he not cheating? I was like, well, he wasn't saying that when Everton played Liverpool in the derby and Mane and Salah were diving all over yeah. the place. He did bit of double standards that is, and I think a hashtag like just saying sort of thing, but. It absolutely take your point and stuff, but I think going back to the, the Wenger and, and it's all different podcast and we're, we're slightly left turning now, but I think it was a beautiful game then because there was a balance between the physical, Vieira, keen confrontation, physical aspect, but you were just starting to get the, the balance of the beautiful game. Years ago, it was just choppers and you get the odd guy like George Best. Whereas nowadays, it seems as though the tackling's gone out of the game, man. You put in the tackle now, and you're like, "That's not even a foul," you know. No. But the the, the, te- the technology played its part in that, though, in terms of the ball, the way that it was constructed, the way that the boots constructed, the, the pitches that, that they play on, the dietitians and everything, the yeah. prep and the science that went to it, all comes from technology. And yeah. that, for me, you know, I I just think those two teams are fabulous to watch. Yeah, Andy, um, I, I was just going to say, like, I think footballs start younger now as well. So, like George Best was probably like. You know, sixteen or something, and he picked up playing football. Oh, I'm quite good at this. Whereas now they're like five years old, and yeah, you know, United, Arsenal, or whoever, Liverpool, everyone's like signing them up, saying, "Oh, then they're, they're going to be the next big thing." So then, so they're training earlier and earlier and earlier. So they are by the time they're like sixteen, they've been playing for like ten years. Yeah, at a decent level. So that's that's another aspect. I think they're more about performance, not flair. I think nowadays. And therefore, you know, you look at the footballers now and they, underneath their, their, their match shirts, obviously they all wear the, the vests that have um, gyrometers, accelerometers, and they, they would look at how far you run, at what speed you run, how far do you turn, how high do you jump, and all of that sort of stuff. And obviously all of that data is analysed to the nth degree. Um, and I sort of get why you do it, because football's becoming a little bit more like NFL in terms of, if, if we're attacking and the ball is in this segment of the pitch, I want you to be here, 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 and here. If we're defending and the ball is in this, third, I want you to be here, 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 and here, sort of thing. So I think it's getting a lot more um, technical and stuff. And, and I suppose the technology helps that because you can analyse and obviously you've got sports scientists and you look at dietitians and nutritionists and sports scientists and all of that. And, and I get that that has a massive impact on sport. Um one I'm, I'm going to mention, and it's a sport that, in particular, me and Adam love. Andy has yet to sort of sample it 
um, to any great degree is darts. Oh, I thought you were going to say bare knuckle fighting there for a second. Well, <laughs> you, you say that. Uh, you, you haven't seen me in the in, in a mixed martial arts octagon. You know what I mean? I, you know, I, I could I could be brilliant. I, I, I don't know because I've never done it, but <laughs> I don't think I would be brilliant. By the way, um, but it, you look at darts, and, and and somebody asked me. They said, "How would Gerwin Price is world number one now?" I think still world number one. So how would Gerwin Price get on now? If he played Eric Bristow when Eric Bristow was world number one oh, on a board that Eric Bristow threw on, because the only reason I ask that is because the technology these days is that the wires are razor thin, like literally diamond cut razor thin. So the treble actually looks and theoretically is bigger than the treble that Eric Bristow was throwing at. Because you would have the thick circular wires and you would have the little bolt ends next to it. And when you look at the board, you know, you go back in the 70s and you thought, fudging hell, how would you ever even hit a bloody treble or get one dot in, let alone a 180? I know. And the technology in terms of the grips and the flight. So, and again, it's hard to compare, but if Bristow in his heyday was throwing on boards now, he'd be averaging 105, 106, 107 almost every visit he made. Yeah, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. There's a few of them, the likes of Jockey Wilson as well. You yeah, know, the, absolutely. The player, the players like that. Those old boards. I've got an old board like that in my garage, actually, and you know I use it from time to time. And oh my goodness, the amount of bounce I get, bounce outs I get, yeah. is absolutely ridiculous. Like you say, the the, the boards now are literally razor wire. If you hit it, it's going in you know, above or below, generally below. I tend to find. But like you say, the, the machining of the darts now, the level of accuracy. If you jump on Shot Darts' Instagram and they, they regularly share their, their darts game machine and their darts, they make them beautiful, very nicely balanced, very unusual grip style. A lot of detail goes into it. But they, they are done and they're made exactly the same. And if you weigh them out, there's literally 0.01 of a gram in it. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, I would have said, you know, with, with Eric Bristow back in the day, don't get me wrong, he'd have the best set of darts available. But nothing near well, as. Well, there'd accurate. be variants in it, wouldn't yeah. there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing and, like the, you know that you probably and, throw in with now. You look at you know you look at the razor wire and and if you were 0.1 of a millimeter off center in terms of hitting the wire, it would slide down the wire and hit the treble, either treble twenty, treble five, whatever. Whereas back in the day, you know your wires were so thick you know and it'd be like actually you've probably got a whole centimeter that if you hit the wire you literally bounce out and nowadays you look at the points that and, and how you knurl the points and they're designed to slide off the wire and all of that sort of stuff so you look at that and and just a game that theoretically is as and this don't take this disparagingly is as simple as darts technology's had a massive impact on that and and again we go back to that can you compare different eras but I'm almost certain that Gooin Price and I'm sorry Gooin if you are listening if you are by the way give us a shout out or whatever but it, you know it, that if Gooin Price was to play at Bristow back in the 1970s 80s Bristow I think would spank his ass just because of the, the, the technology similarly I think if Bristow played Gooin Price now using the technology that Gooin Price has available to him, I think Gooin Price will probably beat him mm. just because of, the, as you said, the balance of the darts, the way that the, the, the dart sits, the way that when it hits the board, it reacts or it hits the wire, it reacts and so on. So 
it, it is difficult. Um, can you ever see a point where, you know, when we talk darts, you look at Michael Van Gerwen, Gerwen Price, people like that, regularly average over 100, regularly average over 100. And actually, you know, oh, big shout out, by the way, um, while we're talking about darts to Jake Jones. I don't know whether or not mm. you listen, Jake, but if you do, um, you know what, absolutely phenomenal um, performance. For those of you that don't know, Jake has managed to secure his PDC tour card. Um, for the next two years um, at Q School, um, I think it was in, uh, in Milton Keynes. So, Jake, phenomenal performance, um, brilliant. Um, I watched the final couple of games, a um, bit nerve-wracking at the end, but um, but brilliant hats off to you, so fair play. Um, but you look at sort of technology, you look at darts, and you look at where it's going. Can you see a point where even... I say average players are averaging nearly 100, whereas back in the day when Taylor and John Lowe and Jockey Wilson and that lot playing in Bristow, if you averaged 100, that was like, oh my, like that was like sensational darts. Like sensational darts. Yeah, I mean, if you watch it now, I think MVG was, was one of those who was, he was ahead of the game. You know, he came in at the time when probably Taylor was out on the way and he was taking over and he was hitting those big averages that were just yeah. ridiculous. It just seemed yeah. unachievable by anybody else. And now he's he's still getting me wrong, he's still winning tournaments, he's still a fantastic player. But you're seeing players doing very, very similar things all the time. The likes of say Peter Wright, who's been around and you've seen a massive resurgence in him when he won the world championship last yeah. last year. But he's been around for many, many years and wasn't doing that. Whether that, I mean, goodness knows he changed his darts often enough. So, you know, yeah. he finally well, he found the right one. Mid-game in some, in yeah. some cases. Yeah. But is that because, so, okay, so is that because of, and, and uh, this could be a whole different podcast again, but is that because of sponsorship and prize money and available gains within the game, i.e. people can give up their normal yeah. job and can earn money doing it, therefore they dedicate the time to it, therefore they get better? Or is that because of the technology, i.e. the treble is bigger, the darts are better? Or is it a combination of both? I, th- I think it's a combination of both. I think the technology helps, but the money that Sky have pumped into the PDC um, with the BDO, you, I mean, you've seen the prizes that the BDO were offering up until, you know... The, you know I think, gee, don't, don't get me wrong, but... I think I read something that actually they've gone bust. They go bankrupt. Yeah, yeah, I'd heard that as well. But the money that they were offering, it, it wasn't enough to to give up your job. No, no. And 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 what you would have is you would have very famous darts players, effectively. Oh, you know, he's won the news of the world or whatever. Yeah, he'll be back laying slabs on Monday or whatever. And you're yeah. like, you know, literally, you talked about them just still doing a normal job. Yeah, whereas, you know, the World Championship recently gave in price, was it half a million he won? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an insane amount of money. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, he deserves it. Fantastic player, you know, and, and, and has put in a lot of effort to someone who was at Q School yeah. himself, what, six, seven years ago? Yeah. And now world number one and, and, and uh, winning that tournament, fair play to him. Um, but it, it's, I think a lot of it is the money that, that Sky have pumped into it that, that allow people that so they can practice eight, nine hours a day rather than, like I say, carpet fitting for eight nine hours a day and playing darts for two hours in the pub at night and it's also interesting because this goes back to the technology thing so notice what i've did there so the increased sponsorship allows the sport to hit a wider audience which means that 
the companies that are involved in the development of the darts reach a wider audience, which means that then they can invest more money in the R&D, which means that they can then invest more money and so on and so on and so on. So, I mean, ultimately, it all comes down to money. But I'm I'm going to ask you, in a way, a a bit of a, a moral question. Does technology and and maybe don't think of at the very elite level so maybe if you're talking about football don't think of necessarily premier league or championship i think maybe lower down so div one div two or conference or whatever and if you're talking about golf don't think pga tour if you're talking about darts don't necessarily think pdc think slightly lower does technology create uh, an imbalance in the playing field, if you excuse the point. So with technology, is it a level playing field? In other words, is the availability of technology for some much more advantageous than others? And therefore, is that fair? And is it morally fair in terms of some people might be very wealthy and therefore have access to that technology? And it could be dietitians, nutritionists, et cetera, et cetera, whereas other people haven't. And just because the fact that somebody has access to that technology means that they're able to perform better. Is that morally right or not? Or does it matter or even should it matter? I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? It's quite a big subject, that. With um, I remember when Cristiano Ronaldo was at Real Madrid, for example. He used to play a game, do his cool down and all that sort of stuff. Then he used to go in a cryo chamber for like however long, you know, them ice baths and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. But they were like, I think they were like a couple of grand a go. So he like bought his own, blah, blah, blah. But lower leagues aren't really going to do that. So they're not really going to be at their physical peak or physical yeah. standard as, say, the Premier League, for example. Yeah. So like Stockport County, for example, they don't have a multi-million pound training ground. They don't have, yeah. you know, 34 or personal chefs and dietitians, yeah. physios. So it does, I think on the one hand, it's not, an, it's not, a balanced playing field, but on the other hand, it's something you want to work towards, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if ev- if everyone had like their own dietitians and all that, I'd be like, well, why, <laughs> why strive to get to the top? You want to you want to be first. You want to be yeah. a winner. You don't want to be. Oh, I've taken part. That's, mm. that's my. So, and do you think part. that's why Ronaldo maybe? And the, the, if you haven't seen it, by the way, it's a great clip. That, that's been circulating maybe the last week or so. He was playing for um, Juventus and it, it's a super slow-mo of him scoring a headed goal and it's just like poetry motion. He rises early and, and like he's literally like head and shoulders above the defender and stuff and it's an amazing clip. But so it, is the fact that he had access to that technology early or he realised the benefit of that technology early meant that he can stay at the top of his game for longer? I think the real question there is, though, and Andy highlighted it in terms of the money side of it, in terms of what Ronaldo can afford to do, given his you know, his, his, his ginormous wages and, and the money that these clubs create and generate, is, 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 is the money spoiling the game? Is the yeah. money creating the divide? Because it's the money that pays for that technology for those yes, players. Yes, like, great. Like you know what? Great question. Absolutely great question. And actually, that might lead on to a whole different podcast, which is, <laughs> yeah. is money ruining the 
sport effectively or well, influencing sport. I won't answer my own question then, so we can save it for another episode. But but no, like, like, but in all seriousness, like Andy says, though, you look at Stockport County, the amount of income that they generate because of the league that they're in, and I'm, I'm not highlighting them, they're not a terrible football club, I've got nothing against Stockport County, God bless you. Um, but the stuff that's available to them, because they've not got that Premier League money, you know, you look at the amount of money that Sky again, and I'm not blaming Sky. I'll be, I'll pay my, I'll pay my subscription fee to Sky, so I'm part of the problem. Um, the amount of money that 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 they have pumped into sports is, it's obscene, really. It's paid off for them because obviously they're making oh, money and they're profit making. Yeah, it yeah, in, yeah. But obviously, lots of the football clubs are happy because the Sky mm. TV money and the BT Sport money, and now. And actually, interestingly, we could have another conversation about where is this going in terms of the streaming company. So I know Amazon are trying to get involved in the Premier League and it won't be long before Facebook get involved and there's a, you know other streaming sites get involved in terms of the Premier League. But And yeah, it's a great question. And is, is it actually money and the combination of money maybe and technology that, that is influencing sport? But um, just one, just one sort of... I say final question, final thought. When you look at levels of performance, so whether it be athletics and you look at world records being broken and and not necessarily for athletics, but that was put, and you look at maybe um, darts and you look at the number of 100 plus averages and you look at, um, as I say, athletics, how fast you can run, you look at golf, how far you can hit it and winning golf scores and all that sort of stuff. Where do we see the ending? And and I'm just going to throw it out to you. 20 years ago, the 100 metres world record was 9.98 seconds or whatever it is. Now it's 9.6 or whatever it is. So you, you, you've dropped three tenths, four tenths of a second in 20 years. In 20 years' time... 30 years' time. Does that mean that somebody's going to run 100 metres in less than nine seconds? I, I think I, human evolution says, yeah, because everyone's getting taller and physically stronger. The food's supposedly getting better. And, and, do think, and, that equation, and, but, yeah. and do you think that then is not necessarily because of the technology and, and maybe 100 metres might be a bad example, but maybe the tech the technology involved in that isn't as influential as diet, nutrition, training regimes, et cetera, et cetera. Well, yeah, it's all part and parcel, isn't it? Mm. And, and I also think maybe maybe the technology is making sport more a, a statistical event rather than being about... Yeah. Yes, yeah. You know, 10 people running 100 metres. Now it's like, well, this person... Uh, started and they were 0.6 of a slower than they were yesterday, and yes, they need yeah. to do this this meter by this meter, and all that and stuff. and it phases it. So in the th- in the first third of the race, you were actually half a second slower than you were previously, whereas in the middle third, you were a second quicker or whatever. Yeah, and and so therefore, is technology breaking it down to such an extent that it becomes very statistical, and it's not uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, um, not creative. Um, it, it's it's almost too defined for, and there's no flair. There's no, there's no individuality. I I find athletics boring. I'll say that for start. But you hit upon a point that has fascinated me, and it is the hundred meters. In terms of, 
it is a finite distance. It's a finite um, uh, amount of time that it's been running. So at some point, someone in the in the future, or maybe it's already happened, is going to run the 100 metres in the fastest time that it is physically possible to do it in. Yes, like we say, technology will improve that. Dietitians, you know, you, if you're on your diet from age zero all the way through, you know, um, we all know that Usain Bolt, fastest man on the planet, but he does like to party, God bless him. So maybe there will be someone faster than him, but he seems someone who's built pretty well to perform that task. At some point, there's going to come, a, there has to come, due to human physiology, due to science and everything, that you cannot move from A to B any faster than you are doing it in time X. It has to happen, but I don't know. I, we I don't know what that time is. No, anyway. no, we don't. Because taking Andy's point, we're getting bigger, faster, stronger, fitter. I'm definitely getting bigger. Whatever. I'm not getting fitter. Well, yeah, <laughs> fatter, not fitter. Yeah, but yeah. so, but because if you took it to, and this is going to sound stupid, and, and and I'm just plain devil's advocate. If the advancement of running the hundred meters continues to evolve. At some point in the next hundred years, you're going to get somebody that can run the hundred meters in less than eight seconds. Well, who was the, who was the dude that did it? Was it was it Ed Moses at the risk of at the risk of creating a controversy? He was a guy who did it like, and it was he, he ended up uh, breaking the world record, but then it was struck from the records because he was using like anabolic. We got Ben Johnson. Was so, it Ben so, Johnson? Ben, yeah, Ed Moses. Was Sorry, Ed. Peter Hurdle, <laughs> um, who actually. Held the world record for fudging years, and he was literally unbeaten. I think he holds. Actually, I, I might be wrong now, and my sporting knowledge actually is not bad, but I might have got this stat wrong. I'm, I'm sure he held a world record for the most consecutive victories in a particular event, or he went unbeaten in the 400 meter hurdles for like and I'm not, 50 years or some stupid like for an, like a, a ridiculous amount of time but it was Ben Johnson in the was it Seoul Olympics he won the 100 metres well that's, and that's then, the thing you know in terms of you know alright it might be banned but it is still improving a human physiology so he, he whether it should have been included or not it's, it's still a record it's still record time isn't it it's it still, is, it's still it is running in that time he, he took anabolic steroids which and, and Andy you might you might take me up on this because you might know a little bit more about it than I do, but anabolic steroids, as far as I'm aware, they don't make you run faster per se. They just allow you to train better, longer, for at more intensity. So he actually physically ran that 100 metres in that time. Mm. It's just that... The, the drugs he was taking allowed him to train longer, harder, faster, stronger than the other guys that, that he was competing against. Is that right, Andy? I don't... Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So your recovery time is less. Instead of training for, like, say, 10 minutes, you can go for an hour, something like mm-hmm. Yeah, That's, that's why so, it's banding, like, bodybuilding and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, so, so they don't physically make you know all of a sudden you don't get like go-go gadget legs and so they don't make you run faster they, they just allow you to train at a higher intensity effectively but i take your point Ad. that human being has still run that distance in that time 
Now, okay, with the use of some steroids that allowed him to train for that, but he's as a human being, he's still run that that distance in that time. So, does that do? Does that mean that? <laughs> Again, you take it to the nth degree. At some point in the future, someone's going to be able to run 100 meters in less than five seconds. Like, where, where does where it has does to end somewhere? Doesn't it? Stop? it has yeah. to end somewhere, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. But where? where? Where is the? But where is that? And and that that's what. And is technology in sport shifting that time period sooner? Is it is it shifting it closer to what it is now because of? the advancement in dietitians and nutritionists and everything else and everything that we know about it. Um, and I, I don't know the answer. It's a very philosophical question. And actually, I'd, I know we normally do podcasts and we do a follow-up, but money in sport and it is a great one to, I think so. to, to, to talk about. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of looking at time. We're sort of getting up close to, um, to time. Just my final thought, Technology in sport, and I love sport, and I love most sports. There isn't many sports that I won't watch. Um, my final thought on this is, whilst I think the introduction of technology in sport is inevitable and was inevitable, I actually don't think I like it. And I actually really like going back to the the early 90s, the 80s, and having a little bit of human say in it, you know, put it all on the referee. And you know what? If he makes a bad decision, he makes a bad decision. It evens itself out over a season. You know what? In cricket, if the umpire calls you out and you're in, you know what? It evens itself out over a career sort of thing. So for me, I sort of get possibly why, because of the money that's now involved and the gains that are involved. Mm. But for me, I'd love to go back to a position where technology actually wasn't that heavily involved in sport. I don't know what your final thoughts are, guys. I, I don't know what, what your final thought is. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, won't go back to that because the, the other side of it is, you know, again, we're going to get onto the money side of it, I suppose. So I'll, I'll keep it brief, is, is gambling inside of it as well. And like we talk about the statistics, you can bet on anything now. So it, the need for, for for that to happen and the amount of money that 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 generates for that to happen, you, it demands accuracy. But for me, yeah, I, it was a talking point. It was a talking point, and that was the, that was the whole point. Was that a goal? Was that the best goal you've ever seen? Was that the worst tackle you've ever seen? Yeah. That that that's that's what it was. It was talking points, and and that for me is what sports should be about. And technology takes away from that. Yeah, Andy. Yeah, I like technology in sport. I think once they get it right, then it'll be better. Whether they would ever get it right, you know, no. will they ever get it right to the point that you absolutely wholeheartedly accept that it's in sport? When um, before VAR came into the Premier League, I was thinking, I hope it does because then it'll stop people like Salah getting away with these dodgy penalties. It's yeah, made it worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we picked on him quite a lot, but. It's, it's, he does die though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's but it's not like a. But was, said it, that, was it fifty fifty? Like, no, he's blatantly gone flying. I, I remember I remember reading an article and 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 we've mentioned him already and it's Ronaldo that mentioned it and he said that when he was at United, Alex Ferguson and bearing in mind this was pre VAR, Alex Ferguson said to him, "If you feel contact in the area, you fall down." 
And this, basically, yeah. he said, what you do in, at that point is you're making the referee, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier, about uh, this is what I would like to go back to. Mm. You're making the referee make a decision. And basically, Ferguson came out and tried to um, sort of defend him and say, you know, when you're running at that speed with the ball at your feet, you feel a slight touch and it unbalances you and you fall over. I mean, that's a crock of shit. Mm. Basically, Ferguson told him, if you're in the box and you feel a you know a contact, you fall over. I think nowadays Salah is tr- genuinely and Mane, and there are a, a lots of others, but I'll, I'm an Evertonian, so I'll pick up the Liverpool players. So Mane and Salah are, are, are particularly bad at it. I think genuinely they're trying to con the referee, and unfortunately, because of technology, VAR will say, "Well, there was some contact, so therefore it's a penalty." Mm, yeah, it, it was that contact enough for them to actually fall over there. When I suppose that that's the crux. Was the contact probably yes? Was it enough for them to fall over? Probably no. But by the laws of the game, if there's contact in the box, it's a penalty. So therefore, they they're winning a penalty. And I was going to say on the flip side, you got like Jamie Vardy, who more than likely will try and stay on his feet yeah. to score a goal. But if he misses. And yeah. the keeper saves it, and it goes off a corner. More likely to give a corner than a penalty. Yeah. So say Dude. if like flat footed Maguire came in and hacked him down, but then he carried on running, and yeah, it went off a corner. They're not going to give a penalty, are they? That's no, the annoying thing. Th- there was a great example, and 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 I can't for life remember what game it was. And it was a perfect example. And th- th- there was a, a striker running through on goal, and a defender came in and basically tried to scythe him down. And, and it wasn't Vardy, but I can imagine it being somebody like Vardy. And the defender came and tried to side him down. And he basically rode the tackle and then still tried to get a shot away. But sort of skewed it and it went to side netting or whatever. And had he have gone down and not taken his shot, it was an absolute stonewall penalty. Like, stonewall penalty. You hear the commentators say, that, oh, I should have gone down under that challenge. Yeah. What you should have been dishonest is that what you're yeah. saying? He should have been and, dishonest. And, and you hear people saying that. Oh, he should have gone down. Well, well, he didn't because the contact mm. wasn't enough to send him down. Mm. And that's the problem that you've got is that. But the laws of the game say if there's contact in the box and it's a penalty, blah blah blah. So, and again, I suppose again another whole different podcast is the laws of the game and football and so on. But so you're quite an advocate of technology then Andy it's just the implementation of that that you want to get right in order for the sport to progress I I think the ref should be every game should have like 30 yellow cards because there's there's people going down for no reason there's a lot of dishonesty in the game they're really like you know yeah uh, I think they need to be tougher and just say like you know your mouth back to me bang yellow cards straight away it's just like you know the, the they just keep walking away, referees now, trying to count down. It's yeah. like, you need to stop these prima donnas. Like, yeah. there, there was a very famous... There was, it, was a, it was a game, it was a United game at Old Trafford. I can't remember who the referee was. And you got Yap Stam, you got Roy Keane, you got various people running after, effectively running after the referee. And I remember it vividly. And actually, all it needs, and, and, and it needs the FA, or UEFA or FIFA, or whoever it may be, to take a, a firm standpoint and... For one or two weekends, you would have crazy games and you'd end up with like nine versus eight or ten versus nine or whatever it may be. Mm. But basically, if, if if I'm the referee and you run at me and you're effing and jeffing, I say to you, I say, right, Andy, you've sworn at me. If you swear at me again, I will issue you with a yellow card for filing abusive language. If you swear at me again, 
I issue you a yellow card. If you then continue to swear at me, I turn around and say, I've warned you, I've given you a yellow card, I'm now dismissing you from the pitch for foul and abusive language. Off you go. Now, three of your teammates will come running in, giving me absolutely both barrels. And I turn around and go, Adam, you've just sworn at me, that's foul and abusive language, that's a yellow card. That's a yellow card. That's a yellow card. And if you continue to swear at me, I will send you off. Now, if you swear at me again, I send you off. Now, at some point, the manager is going to go, lads, keep your fudge your mouth shut. (laughs) You know what I mean? At which point the ref goes over to the manager and says, foul and abusive language. But but the manager says, keep your mouth shut because you're going to get sent off. Now, there's no point finding these clubs. There's no point finding them because the money nowadays doesn't matter. Mm. However, if all of a sudden four of your players or three of your players have had red cards, they're missing for the next three games or four yeah, games. That means that you've then got to bring in your second string or your kids or whatever. That impacts your position in the league. That impacts the the, the financial money that you're going to get at the end of it. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. And all it needs is you'll get one or two crazy weekends with loads of red cards. But at some point, the manager's going to go, lads, just keep your mouth shut. Mm. It, literally, it's as simple as that. Just keep your mouth shut because we can't afford for you to be banned for three games or four games or whatever it may be. And, and you know, so that's a whole different aside and that was a bit of a final sort of left turn. Um, but I think there's a couple of follow-ups we could do to this episode. I think, I, I, I like Adam's money and sport sort of sponsorship. I, I do like that as, as a concept. So um, that might be something that, that we look forward to. Um, guys, it's been interesting. We're, we're obviously up to the sort of just over the hour mark, I think now maybe. Um, so um, we're, we're going to wrap it up. I've, I've, I've enjoyed hosting this one. A um, couple of interesting thoughts. I didn't expect one to go pro technology and one to go against with Adam and Andy, but um, you know, it, it's it's certainly food for thought in terms of the sports that we love and whether or not we continue to see the development of technology and whether or not certain governing bodies will dial it back. But um, Adam, if you want to say your sort of goodbyes and um, final thoughts. Yeah, I, again, I've, I've really enjoyed this one. We, we chatted at the start and we wondered how much content we had. And, and as it turns out, we've got enough. Well, we've, we've gone over the hour mark and, and could have gone on for another hour or two, I suspect. Um, I probably I'd just like, I'd like to shout out just to say, Thank you very much to the Philippines for being country number 29. We said we're going to do something for number 30. We don't know what yet. Um, But again, thank you to Poland, number 39 in their charts. Thank you to New Zealand again, because we're back in the charts in New Zealand at number 202. Yeah, it's a little bit further down, but I'll take it. I'm okay with that. So, yeah, thank you to everyone to listening, whether it's Poland, New Zealand, the Philippines, or wherever you are. Just thank you, and thank you from me, and I'm, I'm sure that's on behalf of the other two guys as well. Absolutely. Andy, do you want to say goodbyes? Yeah, it's a good one. Um, it, it, it reminds me of uh, how much of a stickler I am for rules. <laughs> we'll talk about that on the next one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as, yeah, it's good. Uh, and thanks for all the new and old listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, yeah, again, I know we keep mentioning this sort of the new countries, but um, just a shout out to all those people in all the old countries that are still listening to us and downloading us and, and whatever. So um, thank you very much and long may it continue. Loved hosting this one. Um, opened up a couple of potential um, new podcasts for us. So um, yeah, um, until the next time. Um, Gaz, out. See you later, guys. <laughs>